On today's show, Houston Rockets quarter season review. Where is this team at through the first 20 games this season? What have we learned about this team through the first 20 games? What are some of the biggest surprises so far from this team? And some exciting news and notes about the Houston Rockets new practice facility currently under construction and on the way this upcoming summer 2024. It's all coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. Throw it up to Jalen Green. Shingun here in the short row. Oh, my, that's the no look. Jabari for three and the win. Yeah! Look at Tari Eason. Here comes Tari. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. The Houston Rockets select Amen Thompson and Cam Whitmore. One thing I have never done is not made the playoffs, and so we want to take that step here as well. Six. Five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another edition of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and credentialed media member. I'm also the host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, free and available wherever you listen to your podcasts, including YouTube. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked on NBA for $20 off of your first purchase. And as always, thank you so much for making Locked on Rockets part of your day every single day, whether it's on your way to work, on your lunch break, in the gym. Thank you for being an everyday, and thank you for making the show part of your day every single day. Joining us now is your weekly co-host, none other than the X's and O's man himself, Ali Khan Bijani, who can track down on Twitter at Rockets underscore insider here as we kind of break down, you know, a little bit of a quarter season review, if you will, of this Houston Rockets team. This team is now through 20 games of the season. That's about the quarter way marker, about as close as we can really get realistically to a quarter way point here in the season, 11 and nine through these first 20 games. So we're going to try and unpack and understand we'll review you a little bit about what we learned about this team so far. What is this team? Who is this team through these first 20 or so games? Uh, and then if you're wondering why I'm wearing, why I'm dressed up as Bob the Builder, it's because the Houston Rockets have broken ground on their new uh, Rockets practice facility, which uh, I got the chance to tour along with other media members. So we're going to kind of talk about and, and, and kind of react to uh, that in the third segment. But Ali Khan, how's it going, man? Ready to, to uh, you know break down the Rockets uh, as we stand a quarter of the way through this NBA season? It's it's crazy, Jackson. It's already been a quarter of the season. Um, a lot of really good developments have happened for this team, uh, not only just on the court, but also now off the court with the practice facilities. So excited to talk about it today. Definitely, man. Look, uh, you know, I, I think first things first is when we did our our season preview shows. Um, you know, one of the topics that we brought up was could this team be a top ten defense? And now through a quarter way of the season. They're not only a top 10 defense, they're a top five defense. They're not only a top five defense, Ali Khan. They've largely been the best defense in the NBA or one of the top two or three teams in the entire association through these first 20 games. And that includes, you know, kind of some of the, those early stinkers that they had, the the overtime loss against San Antonio, getting blown out on the road in the first game of the season against the Magic. So I do think that this team has adopted that defensive identity from Ime Odoka, and that is how they've built the success they've had so far to this point is they've they've encompassed that that defensive identity, and there's a lot of different things as to why that defense works the way that it does. 
so many small things, little attention to detail things, you know, because when you look at them defensively, they do some of the same things that the team did last year defensively, right? They switch a lot. Um, they try to, you know, get get teams in isolation and force them to beat them one-on-one. A lot of the same similar principles, but they're just executing them so much better this year, it feels like. Yeah, I mean, just defensively, like you talked about, right? They're one of the be- better defensive units in the NBA. Um, I, I have a few stats that I wanted to kind of bring up that demonstrate how good they've been. These are three categories that the Rockets were awful at last year. Transition defense. They're in the 97th percentile in transition defense. Uh, defending the pick and roll ball handler. They're they're in the 57th percentile in that. Spot up shooting, 67th percentile. Offensive rebounds, not really giving up much, 97th percentile. Uh, isolation, 70th percentile. So overall, it's been pretty good. Um, and, and I think, like you talked about in previous shows, Jackson, the point of attack has been good. The help defense, something that you and I had talked about extensively in the offseason, that's been much better as well. You're seeing Jabari become more of a presence as a weak side shot blocker paired up with Alperin Shangun. You're seeing Alpine not have to be, you know, a big who the defense funnels toward. It's more so the point of attack defense has improved so much. They're helping so much at the nail, right? They're kind of digging at the free throw line on drives. So that, that extra attention – and just knowing where to be with your help assignment is just making things so much easier for a guy like Alperin Shangun to be that last line of defense for that help defense to be able to commit because they know on each possession, you know, from a point of attack perspective, what's going to happen and the help defense can react according to, uh, accordingly. So overall, as a unit, um, just executing the scheme been very fun to watch. And, you know, again, this is still a team that they, they, they're they a very switch-heavy team, switch-heavy, you know, scheme defensively. But I think one of the main differences between, you know, last year to this year is they're switching with purpose this year, right? It's not just passing your guy off to the next guy and, okay, it's, you know, he's he's kind of coming over towards your side of the court, so we'll switch just because that's what we're supposed to do. It's they, they understand that switching has a purpose, right? They are switching with the goal of flattening out uh, you know, an opposing team's offense. They don't want to give up these easy opportunities. And even when they do get a mismatch here and there, whether it's, you know, a big isolated out on a small guy, like, you know, Alper and Shingun guarding a guard on the perimeter or a small guy that has to deal with a big that's trying to post them up. If it's Fred Van Vliet, Aaron Holiday, they understand that there are going to be some mismatches that they have to deal with as a result of the switching defense. But one thing that stands out big time from this team is, you know, despite the fact that they run two of the smaller guards in the NBA in Fred Van Vliet and Aaron Holiday, holiday uh their scram switching has been very on point this season where there are some moments where you'll you know they'll be defending the pick and roll or or defending you know a little two-man action on the perimeter and they'll switch and suddenly you'll have fred or aaron on a bigger player on a forward or on a or on a center at times and then you'll see the scram switch happen where one of the other wing defenders realizes in real time that oh hey we don't want you know fred or aaron to have to guard a big man and they'll scram out and that takes a, a lot of communication to be able to execute that in real time i had the chance to ask aaron Aaron Holiday about how the Rockets have kind of executed their scram switching. And he basically said, look, at the end of the day, me and Fred, we're the small guys on the court. We're going to have to front, right? We're going to front. We're going to try and deny the entry pass. If the scram switch happens and we're able to scram out of the mismatch, then great. It is kind of the onus, though. It's not It's not up to the small guy to call for the switch, right? It's up to the other wing defenders that are kind of present and watching the play develop to call, hey, get out to my guy so that I can get in there and guard that big instead. The Rockets, Jackson, are 6-0 this season when the opposing team scores below 100 points. 
they only had six of those games in total last season. They were three and three. So a quarter of the season through, they are, they've already played as many games or held opponents as many points or 100 points or below as they did last season. And it, uh, I, I just think that's a very big step for this team. And and it just kind of gets you excited for, as this team puts it, puts it together defensively, once they figure out how to put it offensively and have kind of consistent offensive showings, um, especially from the younger players, um, you know, and I'm going to come out and just say it, having Jalen Green play a lot more consistently, um, having Jabari with more consistent shooting nights, even though he's improved a lot overall on both ends. Alperin Shangun continuing to show consistently that he can be a guy um, and potential all-star candidate. Just continue to have that consistency from your young players, even Tari Eason, right? Um, having games now that he's getting more playing time to show that he can be effective um, without having to handle the basketball. If we see that improvement on the offensive end, which I think we will see over the course of this next quarter of the season to the second half of the season, you know, a lot of really good excited, excited, excited or excitement uh, to have if you're a Rockets fan. Coming up, we're going to get into some of the biggest surprises so far this Rockets season. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each and every week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire, every week we're going to provide you players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. First up on our list, Isaiah Hartenstein. Rockets legend Isaiah Hartenstein with Mitchell Robinson out for at least 8 to 10 weeks. Hartenstein is the guy that Josh is looking at, even though Jericho Sims is starting, Hartenstein closed the game on Monday night. We've got another Rockets legend on this list, Dante Exum. The Mavs are struck down with multiple injuries, and while that's the case, Exum looks like a solid addition to your fantasy roster. And last guy here on the list that we've got for you is twin brother of Houston Rockets guard, Amin Thompson, Asar Thompson for the Detroit Pistons. Uh, if Thompson was dropped in your league, you've got to go grab him because he's back starting, and hopefully Monty will Williams has realized that this is an error and he stays in the starting lineup moving forward. Now, Josh Lloyd from Fantasy Basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same as with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They've got brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your car needs. eBay Motor has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Ali Khan, let's tackle some of the biggest surprises from this Houston Rockets team so far through 20 games. It doesn't, I'll just tee this one off really quick. I don't think it's fair to say that the defense being as good as it has been is a surprise necessarily, because again, coming into the season, you know, we we thought, we speculated that, you know, being a top 10 defense was 
a possibility for this team. Maybe it is surprising how good they have been how and, and how quickly they've become one of the top tier best defensive teams in the entire association uh, with a really tough schedule, mind you. It's not like the Rockets have had a walk in the park through these first 20 games. In fact, 18 of their first 20 games have been against Western Conference opponents. Uh, they've only had two, te- two teams from the Eastern Conference so far through these first 20. It was the season opener against the Orlando Magic and one of those very early home games against the Charlotte Hornets. And we know that the Western Conference currently pound for pound across all 15 slots is is arguably the is easily the better conference of basketball right now. It's just kind of a bloodbath out here in the West. Um, maybe it is a little surprising that they are the number two defense in the NBA right now, at least this early on. But uh, I'll pass it to you unless you want me to go first. Do you what 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 to you has been really surprising about this team through the first 20 games? Um, I feel like you should go first because you're probably going to say what I'm going to say first. So go ahead. I'm going to say Aaron Holiday. That's my that's that's my number one. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Go okay, ahead. Yeah, so yeah, why yeah. has Aaron Holiday been surprising? I mean, look, at the end of the day, I like the Aaron Holiday signing. Um, I did not. I, it would not have been anywhere near. It wouldn't have even been on my second or th- tertiary bingo card. Uh, you know, if I was going to do in Rockets bingo heading into the season that 20 games in actually sooner than 20 games and kind of by necessity. Right. A uh, Thompson goes down due to injury. But then Aaron Holiday steps in, fills that gap. And now it very much looks like Aaron Holiday will remain a part of the Rockets rotation moving forward. And Jock Landale's the guy who's been axed. You know, Jock Landale, unfortunately, came into season, had the ankle injury that he was rehabbing didn't look like his you know the the version of himself from last year that got so many uh playoff minutes for the Phoenix Suns and was outplaying DeAndre Ayton at times last season uh, that's unfortunate because the Rockets really do have kind of a hole in their backup big man spot. But Aaron Holiday's just been a revelation, right? He's a really great complimentary piece for this Rockets team. He's a guy that can be effective uh, either with or without the ball in his hands. He's kind of you know he's basically a spot up like wing but in a point guard's body and that's a great complimentary piece to have when you have a six seven point guard in a min thompson or even you know jalen green at times who you want to be able to get some of those on ball reps to put the ball in their hands let them steer let them create the offense and you can just park aaron holiday off on the side where he's most adept at just catching and shooting or even attacking off closeouts so to me He's been one of the biggest surprises for this team that he is now a mainstay of this Rockets rotation, an important part of what they want to try to build moving forward. Um, you know, I, I have to agree. I'm not as surprised with the shooting because he was somebody who was shooting, you know, high 30s from three, you know, during his career. What I have been pleasantly surprised with is the assist to turnover ratio. Um, he has, he has an assist to turnover ratio of 4.5. Last year, it was kind of one-and-one, one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio. So he's getting a lot more playing time, and he's proving that he need, he can be as a connector, right? He can be somebody who can, you could play alongside, like you said, with Amen or play alongside with Jalen and help them be a connector with the rest of the unit. As, you know, Coach Yudoka probably wants Amen and Jalen to get going individually in those kind of units with their second unit. You also have Aaron there to be able to make it happen and be that connector between the, uh, th- those players and the rest of the squad on the court. So um, a- Aaron's been great, and I think defensively as well, just his ability to be a pest um, and kind of work around screens. His point of attack coverage has been great. Um, and, it, you know, I'm not saying it's, he and Fred Van Fleet play the same exact way, but it's great to be able to not have too, too large of a drop-off defensively in terms of scheme whenever you having Aaron and Fred play, because Fred's hands – are incredible. He creates a lot of turnovers and deflections himself. 
But Aaron, his ability to kind of work around screens, it's a great thing to have next to Jalen and the men uh, when the second unit is playing. And last thing here, I, I knew that he was a good shooter coming in. So, I, you know, I, I wasn't surprised. I, I guess I can, it's it's not fair for me to say I wasn't surprised by the shooting. It was just I was hesitant to see what it was going to look like on more volume, right? Because the last couple of years that he shot the ball really well, he did it on like one and a half attempts from long distance per game. That's not exactly huge volume. This year, he's shooting 43% on almost three attempts per game. So, this, so it, the, the volume has ticked up a little bit considerably, and the percentage has held with him being a, a you know, pretty solid, you know, 40, 40 plus percent three point shooter so that's been pretty awesome to see what do you got for us as far as surprises i have i have two and they're kind of uh they're kind of connected here um i was surprised that jock longdale has been as honestly straight up not effective as a backup five and i have been pleasantly surprised how how effective jeff green has been as a backup five to a point where um, uh, you know, I, I was watching the game on TV yesterday, and if I, my lip reading was correct, Ben Sullivan was talking to Ime Udoka about which players to bring in, and he said uh, the JGs. And as soon as he said, as soon as he said the JGs, I swear, Jeff and Jalen both got up and came in the game. And oftentimes, <laughs> their minutes are paired um, in the second unit because of the kind of B that small ball five and kind of you know set screens and pick and pop or do all those different things, and Jeff's ability to just kind of attack at the rim, to the fact that Jeff's shooting better than he has uh, in a while around the rim. So, you know, it's it's been a pleasant surprise for me to see Jeff be effective, also defensively, right? I mean, you've played the Nuggets in four of your kind of 17, 18 games to start the season, um, and he's really helpful there in terms of kind of calling out the coverages and what's going on. Um, but I think you're seeing, you know, how how helpful he can be um, in regards to just setting up this team uh, uh, for success. Um, and so for me, that, that, that's that been a big surprise. You know, going back, first off, I, I love the pickup of Jeff, and, and I'll agree with you there. I thought he was going to be kind of just that that veteran stabilizing presence on the bench. I didn't expect, and I knew that he'd get some spot minutes here and there. I didn't expect him to basically become the backup five, right? And I, and I really don't think the Rockets organization expected it either. They thought Jock Landale was going to have a place on this roster in this rotation. And he just, he basically, he really just kind of did look unplayable for stretches. And, and now he's basically found his way completely out of, of the Rockets rotation, unfortunately, but for better or worse, now Jeff green has taken those minutes and he's done a lot with them. And even to a lesser degree, the fact that Jock Landale hasn't, been you know uh, as advertised kind of coming into this role it's also opened up some minutes for Jabari Smith Jr. as the backup five or as a small ball five as situationally at times and I think Jabari's even had some moments where he's excelled and looked really good playing those backup five minutes um he's his physicality has been great over these last 10 to 12 games uh so really really impressed with what we've seen from Jabari um go go for it one more thing on no one more thing on just on the concept of playing the five Alperin Shangun is playing close to 33 minutes per game. And that should not be kind of looked at lightly. That's very impressive. He has worked on his conditioning over, you know, his career. He's worked on adding strength. His lower body and his upper body have added muscle, which has allowed him to be more effective, play later in games. I mean, he looks incredible. And the more minutes you're playing him, and you're seeing how effective he can be. Jackson, you know, Coach Udoka, after the most recent home game, that he's a calming presence and that you know they can go to him um in, in kind of those late game situations and even late in games by playing heavy minutes he's still able to be that calming force calming presence and do a lot of things and honestly i think a lot of that is because 
that they can't play jock that many minutes. You're having LP have to play maybe two or three minutes extra than you would, you know, along with Jeff and, and, and Jabari, as you talked about. But those extra few minutes and LP proving that he can play those minutes and be effective in those minutes, that's been a pleasant surprise. In a, it, not necessarily surprise because you, you know he was going to get better, but in terms of just how effective he's been and playing kind of those low to mid 30s, that's been great to watch. Speaking of minutes here, another another pretty major surprise is uh, through 20 games of the season, Fred Van Vliet is currently the league leader in minutes per game at 37.9. That is not something I would have expected coming in here. And, and I look, it's been by necessity. Amin Thompson goes down due to injury. This is not yes. a team that is constructed to withstand many injuries, if at all. And they've only yes. had uh, coming in. They only had three really primary ball handlers in Fred, Jalen, and Amin. And thankfully, Aaron Holiday was able to step up to the plate and fill some of those minutes and you know handle the rock you know situationally. But he's still really not like a a true blue like you know play starter playmaker, the guy that you want running or orchestrating your offense. He can do it in a pinch. Um, and I, I have to imagine that there had to have been some conversation as soon as the Thompson went down due to injury where Fred and, and Ime were just like, all right, look like this team can't afford for me to play 32, 33 minutes a night. We're going to lose if that's the case. So uh, Ime has been running Fred ragged with these minutes. And I do think that some of the inconsistency that we've seen from Fred, uh, especially over this last, you know, five to seven games or so has been because of the increased burden right you know Fred is not first off any any of the six foot guards in the NBA already have it you know uh, a tough task cut out for them playing you know amongst sizable NBA competition um but to play 38 minutes a night and be able to still give the level of production that he's been giving this Rockets team has been incredible. They absolutely need to cut down on his minutes now that Amin Thompson is back. Um, I hope that we're able to see Fred not necessarily take a back seat, but just get him somewhere in that comfortable range of like 32, 33, 34 minutes a night where he can have his legs fresh, where he can stay you know, at the top of his game so that his shooting can be a little bit more consistent so that we're not seeing him make some of those um, errors due to probably fatigue, right? Some of the, the uncharacteristic turnovers that we've seen over these last few games, I think have largely been in part due to Fred probably playing tired, man. No, I, I will say Fred is used to this though. You know, dating back to the 2019-2020 season with mm -hmm. Toronto, he leads the NBA in minutes per game. So I think he's used to it. But one thing, Jackson, you make a great point. You know, this it's impacted his play. I'm curious, and I haven't done the research on this, and it's something I do want to look into. If you look at his minutes, based off if he's playing 20 to 30, uh, 25 to 30, 30 to 35, or 35 plus, what are his shooting splits during that time period? His pull-up shooting splits and also his catch-and-shoot shooting splits. Maybe that can give some idea or consideration into lessening that burden now that Amen is back, if it does indeed affect his shooting splits over over that stretch of those heavy minutes. But th that's I'll, one I'll thing. Give, I, I do you, have one I'll more give you thing. At least, I'll oh. give you at least one on that because as you were saying it, I just wanted to pull it up very quickly. When he plays 40-plus minutes this season, he's only shooting 31% from three. When he's playing between 30 to 39 minutes, he's shooting 42% from three. So I do think that there's something to be said for – you know, when he plays more minutes, he doesn't have his legs under him. It, it takes a toll on his shooting for sure. Yeah, because he has a very big assignment defensively. And the thing, about, the thing I said earlier about this scheme, he's playing point of attack. But when you have Dylan or Jabari involved in kind of the pick and roll um, and they're switching or they're what, whatever they're doing, Fred is always kind of like Tari does. If you've noticed Tari, they're at the nail. They're at that free throw line elbow area digging or kind of clawing for the ball, reaching for the ball, trying to create deflections. And Fred is always trying to do that. He is always involved defensively. 
And over the course of the game, you know, you know, being involved in, you know, bodies attacking the paint and being kind of that like force who's trying to deter a role man, all those different things, that's exhausting. So, you know, it does take a toll on your legs. Let's take a toll on your, on your body. Um, And so I I, I am eager to see how well a man can play quickly and get back into a rhythm where he can play effective, you know, attack the paint, kick out, attack the paint, kick out, get the second unit going uh, and see what happens. One last thing for me, Jackson, on uh, surprises. I've been surprised at how I would say few handoffs we've seen this season, um, dribble handoffs between Jalen Green, Alper, and Shengun, even though we've see- we're seeing an uptake of that in recent weeks. Um, but I've been more, you know, it, uh, impressed by how much kind of we're seeing LP, uh, you know, just run a five-out offense. They're running a lot of five-out, a lot of this kind of like uh, offense that Ime Udoka ran in Boston. Um, um, where you're kind of having flare screens up top and kind of players getting a screen and, and then coming coming towards the ball. Um, so it's it's a lot of it's a lot of that kind of five out offense, but it's been great to see LP take on that full role of being a fulcrum of the offense, not only at the top of the key, not only in the post, but also now at a horns where he's getting the ball and he's able to do a lot of different things there. So you're seeing the team finally have their young players in position where we knew those were their strengths and they're executing and they're successful. Um, now let's see if they can all put it together and be consistent all at the same time. Alperin Shingun, the, uh, the calming presence of Alperin Shingun for this Houston Rockets offense. Emo Doka's words, not mine. Coming up, some thoughts on Jalen Green through a quarter of the way of this Rockets season, as well as the excitement of the Rockets' new practice facility. We'll give you some breakdowns on what we know about that, when it's coming, what it looks like so far, and why it's a you know a, a good thing for this Houston Rockets organization to be updating uh, their, their training facilities. We're going to get there in just one moment. First, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Look, you shouldn't have to worry when you're buying tickets to your next big event. You're trying to go out and have a good time. You don't want to be stressed about how you're going to buy the tickets and what you're going to, the, the process that you're going to have to go through. Because let's face it, sometimes buying tickets is a complete headache. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events happening near you. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. They've got all-in prices, so you don't get, you know, taken aback by those last minute prices or the, the the ticket handling fees or any of that stuff at the very end of your transaction where suddenly you're paying more for fees than you are for the actual cost of the tickets. You can even see the view from your seat before you get there so you know exactly what to expect when you get to your venue. They are obsessed with finding you ways to save money on tickets. They've got so many different deals. They've got last minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals, so many different deals that you want to take advantage of through game time. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app create an account and use code locked on nba for 20 dollars off of your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code locked on nba that's l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n-m-b-a for 20 dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed and final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Now, this could have fit into maybe our our biggest surprises segment here a moment ago, but I just wanted to give it, you know, some due diligence here. And, you know, one of the biggest storylines, one of the most polarizing figures amongst Rockets fans now is Jalen Green, because, you know, there's this perceived idea of, you know, his need to take a year three leap this season. 
Um, but even as, you know, aside any perceived leap, you know, uh, you know, him launching himself into super, you know, star territory, all-star territory, whatever. It's just been kind of the inconsistency has been very problematic for this team to where, you know, I've, I've said it before and I'll, it's worth repeating consistently until something changes or something different happens. But this team is a Jalen Green, you know, a consistent Jalen Green away from being, you know, a, I don't know, 15 and five team, 14 and six, instead of where they are right now at 11 and nine. Um, some of the inconsistencies offensively that you highlighted early on, Alicon, are because they just haven't been able to manufacture a consistent version of their offense, especially when the bench unit has been in there spearheaded by Jalen Green. So, look, we are 20 games into the season. Jalen Green's shown us some good. He's shown us some bad. He's been pretty inconsistent. His home versus road splits have been uh, pretty awful, honestly, until these last couple games where suddenly he went on the road against Denver and looked really solid. And then he came back home against San Antonio and looked really awful. Uh, so much so that he got pulled early uh, in the second half due to a couple defensive miscues. And then he didn't play a single second of the fourth quarter. Uh, Ime Odoka opting to go with Tari Eason to close out that game instead of Jalen Green. So at this point, Ali Khan threw a quarter of this season what more do you need to see out of Jalen Green, or, or what's the area that you'd like to see him improve upon, or what need what needs to happen for Jalen Green to just start taking those steps in the right direction, or is he taking those steps in the right direction in your eyes? I mean, I, I think he is. Just it needs to be more consistent. I think the biggest thing for me is that let's look at the wins and losses for this team, and look at look at Jalen Green kind of splits. Um, he's averaging twenty almost twenty one points per game on forty five percent shooting in wins. 16 points a game, 38% shooting and losses. So, I mean, it's the, it's the name of the game. you got to make baskets. You are a scorer. You have to be able to get to the basket, score efficiently, especially in the time you're getting. When you're running the second unit and it is your shot to be able to go 1-4 flat, which coach is letting you do, or get a screen and roll and attack the rim, and you're having kind of a five-out offense with all that space to attack, you have to be able to use your strength, which is your quickness, your good first, your your fast first step, and your speed to be able to create an advantage and go. Um, I do want to see the Rockets do a lot more of the dribble handoffs or empty corner action. It is something that he was very good at in his first two years here. Have not seen enough of empty corner action involving Jalen Green um, so far this season. So that's something I think the Rockets coaching staff can hopefully implement to get him going. But ultimately, it's going to be up to him to be consistent, be a consistent scorer. You know, on, on his catch and shoot percentage. I mean, when he's unguarded, he should be pretty well. And he gets those unguarded threes kind of in transition or um, kind of coming around screens in the half court. Um, can he become a better shooter whenever he's coming off screens? Um, can he can he not just shoot well when it's a dribble jumper? Can he shoot well on those catch and shoot shots consistently? Can he, you know, do much better around the rim? You know, he's saw these little runners and he's trying to work on it. He's, I think, four of 14 shooting runners this season. And and that to me, yeah, he's missing a lot, but that's part of the good I see with Jalen. He is trying to do things around the rim or take what the defense is giving him. Defenses now want to get have him go to the rim. So he's trying to, you know, knock down jump shots, trying to knock down these floaters, do all those different things. So like I said, the process is there. We spoke about this in our last show. Let's be patient. Um I I, I really like John Lucas's quote. You know, you know, it's gonna take him one more year, in my opinion. I think he's one of those guards it's going to take him one more year and every player is different. You know, you know, th thankfully for the Rockets, 
They have Alperin Shangun, who's established himself as a star and potential kind of all-star and, you know, much higher than that, right? He's getting all-star consideration already from national media. Even the Rockets, you know, own that book. They have a whole section dedicated to all-star LP. So, you know, it's it's happening. He is the star on this team right now. And because of that, you can afford to take some more time with these other guys to develop. You're seeing Jabari, you know, continue to grow. You know, nobody's talking about him, you know, being inconsistent because he's showing effort on the defensive end. He's showing consistent effort. You're seeing Ime call out Jalen, right, on those different things. Can Jalen just be consistent? I think if he's consistent on those other things, I think folks will be as less pushy as they've been on his development. But ultimately, Jackson, he's here to score. He's supposed to be this great scorer. He's showing the good process of trying to score. Now it's about consistently showing that good process and also making your shots and being efficient as well. You know, I, I largely haven't really had much of an issue, if at all, with, with Jalen's effort this season. It does feel like he has a renewed sense of effort. He's been bought in. He's trying harder defensively. He's trying at times to, you know, you see him trying to make the right decisions offensively, so much so to the point where I do think there's times where he's maybe overthinking some things offensively and not just yeah. not just reading what the defense is giving him and playing within the flow of the offense, and he gets a little overthinking at times because he wants to make the right decision, right? He wants to make the right pass, or he wants to, you know, take the right shot, you know, and, and take what the defense is giving him. And it's been a big kind of learning process for him. But unfortunately for Jalen, we're this Rockets team, I think, is now beyond the point of, hey, you're giving good effort. So that's an, that's a gold star for you. A plus plus. It's what are you bringing to the table? And at this point, if even if Jalen is trying hard defensively and even if he's making the right reads, the right passes as a as a secondary playmaker on offense, if he is not scoring the basketball, then there are better players on this roster and better players that is, that are directly available to Ime Odoka that can provide more than Jalen can on the basketball floor. And that's exactly what you saw last game against the San Antonio Spurs. Not only did Tari Eason, you know, pick up the scoring burden there in that fourth quarter, but he also is just a bigger, stronger, better defender. You know, he's a hustle guy. He gives you all the 50-50 call, you know, balls, all that stuff. And those are things that, that Tari has that Jalen doesn't. So if Jalen's not giving you the scoring, He's not gonna get, he's not gonna be a you know some insane plus defender. He doesn't give you a lot of size. He doesn't give you extra rebounding. Although I will give him some credit, he's been more active on the glass, using his athleticism to secure defensive rebounds and get out you know in transition quickly. Those kinds of things. So for him, it's time for the like he he basically he has to be able to deliver on the skill component of his game, right? And the skill component has to be he has to be a more efficient, reliable scorer. And if he has games where he's can't throw a rock into the ocean, then yeah, he might not kill the team on the other side of the court defensively, or he might not kill the team by making bad reads or not finding his teammates, but that's just not good enough at this point to, I think, keep him on the court. So my big thing for Jalen is how does he respond to that, right? As he's trying to iron out the kinks in his game and get to a place where his offense can be more consistent and is more consistent, how does he choose to respond for moments like this where he's benched at the end of games? We saw Jabari get benched two straight games, and, and his response was as about as mature as you could get, saying that it's, an, it's a learning opportunity for him. It's a chance for him to learn from a veteran, from a champion like Jeff Green, learning the little details uh, of the game that he can get better at so that he can stay on the court in those moments that he's going to get plenty of reps down the line. And that it wasn't about, and Ime said that it wasn't about what Jabari was or wasn't doing. It was just that Jeff Green was a better fit for some of those those closing opportunities against the Nuggets, against the Pelicans, and then most recently against the Nuggets. Again, even though I would disagree with that most recent one. 
how does Jalen respond to these benchable opportunities, these learning opportunities? Because the unfortunate thing is Jalen's been benched because he his lack of production at times, and that is is a little concerning, unfortunately. You know, you know here's here's just lay it out simple for our listeners, okay? The Rockets last season were 22nd in bench points. They only scored 32 bench points per game. Let's not look at last season. Let's look at this season. This season, they're doing worse. They're 28th in, in the NBA. 28 bench points per game. Why is that important, Jackson? We, when you had a men out, you know, you had all those different variables going on. It was Jalen running the second unit with Jeff and three other guys who can shoot the basketball. And there were minutes where he went off. Third quarter, Jalen's a thing. His, we talked about it last time. His field goal percentage is good in the third quarter. But that first quarter, end of first into second quarter, where he's running that bench unit, can that be a consistent time for him to get his game going? Can that be a consistent time when, because of his scoring, his playmaking picks up? Well, here, and he here, here's people. the problem, Alec Khan, is I, I think he may have already lost that role. If if, we're, if anything, if last game is anything to go off of, Amin Thompson is now running those units, at the, or at least he, Amin Thompson is taking one of those guard spots at the top of the second quarter, and that's exactly what we saw this last game. Is It was Amin Thompson and Aaron Holiday, and then Fred Van Vliet subs back in, and then Jalen comes back in. Those those five to six minutes there at the top of the second quarter before the starters came back in to close the half, that was Jalen's time to run that unit. And now those minutes are go- those those five to six minutes each half are going to be going to Amin Thompson. So Jalen kind of lost that yeah. opportunity. He still has the chances now at the end of the first quarter, end of the third quarter to run that bench unit for you know a minute to two minutes at the end of the quarter and try to make something happen in those few possessions while Fred is on the bench but that's the problem is Jalen has been so bad at least to this point running that second unit that Ime as soon as the men Thompson was back he was you're getting these minutes, man. Let's go. Now, maybe it's a thing where maybe Ime will stagger some things and maybe we'll see some chances where Amin and Jalen get to play together in those secondary units. But at least as it stands right now, Jalen's minutes are about to be impacted with the return of Amin Thompson. And, you know, he's got to sort himself out and get himself efficient for him to be able to earn those minutes back, I think. Yeah, and, you know, can I get an amen? You know, uh, well, this, this was a good conversation, but can I, can I get an amen on this new Rockets practice facility, Jackson? Hey, look, okay, so we, we got to talk about this before we wrap up the show because it's it, it's a big deal here. Um, so what I'm going to do right now is if for all of our YouTube viewers, we're going to put the graphic up so you can take a look and, and look along with us um, at the, the mock concept for the Rockets' uh, new training facility, which, again, my, myself and other Rockets media members, we got the chance to tour the facility, and it was a really exciting experience, Ali Khan. Um, just to kind of be in the building. Now, none of it is is finished yet. The tour video is available on the YouTube channel, so go check it out if you want to see it. And then there was also a a press availability with Tillman Fertitta, Ime Odoka, Rafael Stone, and Patrick Fertitta after the tour. Um, but this, I mean, this facility is just a few of the, the, the kind of notes on it so far. Um, it's 75,000 square feet of space, which is currently triple the amount of practice space that the Rockets have currently at Toyota Center available to them. And one of the bigger things that they kept um, rehashing to us on the tour was the fact that it's a very open concept. So if you're looking along with us on the graphic that's currently displayed on the YouTube video, the center of the practice facility are a pair of full-length NBA regulation-style courts that are next to each other. Each court has five baskets total so that they they, they can, you know, do all sorts of drills and, uh, you know, shooting shooting drills, all that kind of stuff up and down both courts. Um 
And then they've got all their different uh, important offices for the executives, for the coaches, for the film guys, um, for the front office. Like everybody is all housed under one roof and they're all within like, you know, arm's reach of each other, which currently at Toyota Center, they're spread out across three different levels. You know, you've got some guys on the first floor, some guys downstairs on the, you know, the event level, um, some guys way upstairs in the executive offices. And it's just a lot more difficult, right, to have that cohesive feeling across the board, you know, organizationally where, hey, maybe, you know, Emi Odoka needs to go grab one of his film guys. Now he doesn't have to run from his office and then go upstairs to where the film guys are located at Toyota Center to grab one of them to then bring them down to his office. To, so it's a, it's going to be a time saver. Um, it looks incredible, at least conceptually. Uh, one thing that they have that apparently no other uh, visiting team practice facilities have is they've got a full-blown locker room for visiting teams. So should visiting teams decide that they want to utilize the practice facility, um, which all visiting teams stay at the Post Oak Hotel um, when they are here in Houston for uh, meetups with the Rockets. So they're right down the street from where this facility is going to ultimately be located. And they'll be able to come to the practice facility, get their rep, in. They'll have a full-blown locker room so that they don't have to share lockers with the Rockets or they don't have to cut through some of the areas um, that the Rockets are utilizing. They've got an area dedicated for their front office personnel, team staff, coaches office. The locker rooms are there. They've got a whole treatment and cardio section with another half court in that area as well so they can work on very specific drills or rehabilitation uh, things and then uh, they've got an even like a players lounge area on, on this concept design uh, and my personal favorite is they have a working media room for us uh, so you know for practices before practice after practice media now has a nice little area that we can all wait in it's air conditioned with you know power jacks and ethernet cables and desk space for us to work and do all sorts of stuff. Cause right now we have like a little tiny little lobby that's like directly adjacent to the practice gym. And it is not a great spot. There's like a very, there's very few chairs in there. It's just not a great environment to be able to like work in. We, we make do, but to have a full blown media workroom uh, will be really nice. And I tried to ask Tillman if he would give us a secondary ice cream machine to put at this location, similar to the ice cream machine that they just put at Toyota center for media dining. And, he said we'd have to see if, if we were on our best behavior before he made any any promise like that. But, uh, Ali Khan, what stands out to you about this? What, what are your initial thoughts on on this practice facility? Well, I have a question for you. So this is sure. in the Galleria, correct? Uh, Houston Galleria? It is not in the Galleria area. It's Well, I don't know. It's like north of the Galleria, sort of. Like kind, kind But of, it's kind in that in, kind of up. Kind of in that 610, uh, I-10 area, give or take. 610 Post Oak? Yeah, somewhere, somewhere, yeah some, more or less somewhere around there. Okay. Um, no, I mean, the fact that it's not too far also from Toyota Center is just a drive down 59 to get there. You're also giving visibility to Tillman's properties. Um, I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense from a location perspective. You're right there, still in the heart of the city a little bit. Um, no, I, I think it's great. You know what I'm really excited about, Jackson? Hmm. The fact that there's two courts. The fact that the Rockets whenever they do have training camp or other things end up going to facilities with three courts or two courts. Now you finally have two courts, you know, out of practice facility. Oh my God. We're going to have training things. camp here in Houston. Oh, we don't have to go anywhere else with two courts now, Alicon. You know, I, and, and I think, I, I think that's awesome. Um, also just the fact that they have their front offices and their coaching offices at the same place. Um, I mean, this is going to be that hub. Um, I think for the Rockets and from the conversations that I know you posted on the Lockdown Rockets YouTube channel, 
this is going to be a very much welcomed and utilized spot for this team. But Jackson, you know how big of a deal it is to have a practice facility. When you look at teams across the league, you know, these marquee teams who are investing a lot in their organizations have practice facilities. This is a big deal. This has been the works for a long time. I know Tillman has wanted this um, ever since he bought the team. You know, and so hey, look, it's, it's very, it's, big, look, credit, very big news. Credit to Tillman, man. He was cracking all kinds of jokes during the press conference. At one point, uh, he said, you know, we're excited to be able to do this. Uh, and we're doing it now because uh, last year's, you know, the, the, the team the last few years didn't deserve a new practice facility. And I was like, bro, like when he said that, like I, I turned and I like side eyed a couple media members. We were all trying to hold in laughs like he was he had a good laugh with it. Um, no, but, you know. Ime is excited about it. The, the whole organization's excited about it. They've talked about the fact that this is going to be a big kind of, um, you know, a big ch- kind of uh, chip to use when you're negotiating with potential free agents and stuff, right? Having a top of the line training facility with state of the art technology, equ- you know, exercise equipment. Uh, they've got a full blown spa room for the players, a whole area where they can, you know, get treatments done and all that kind of stuff. This is a place where they said, you know, Tillman said that he expects the players to probably be spending some of their off days here, even when they don't have practice, right? Just kind of hanging out, lounging, maybe spending time with teammates, like that kind of thing. Um, it really is credit to the to the Fertitas and the entire Rockets organization for stepping up to the plate. Again, this they they said the estimated cost of this, which is not you know the thing about Toyota Center back in the day when Leslie Alexander moved from the Summit to Toyota Center. The idea was was to have everything housed under one roof, which is why everything feels so compact there. The practice court feels a little small. It's just because there's a finite amount of space in downtown Houston to be able to put a secondary entire facility dedicated just to practicing. So when it came time for Leslie Alexander to build Toyota Center and, and have the taxpayer dollars at work, why not put it all under one roof, right? And that was kind of the concept there. Nowadays, though, you want more space. You want to be able to have a full-blown facility. So the Fertitas are putting up, I believe, 70 million of their own dollars. Like this is not taxpayer funded or anything. This is straight out of the pocket of the Fertitas, just like the private jet that they got that was, you know, all, you know, tricked out and looks real nice, swagged out for the Rockets with the Rockets logo on the side. Uh, Not every NBA team has their own private charter jet to take them from game to game, right? The Rockets are one of the few teams that do. So, uh, uh, I do want to give Tillman Fertitta and the, the Rockets organization a lot of credit for stepping up to the plate and giving this team, you know, something that gives them a bit of a competitive edge compared to other organizations. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see it when it comes out and, and hopefully, you know, when this next season opens up and uh, we're, you know, we're, we're there, it'll, it'll be, it'll be a place that, you know, we maybe do a lockdown rocket show one day. Hey Jackson, man, that that would that would be a ton of fun. I had to joke with Gretchen Shear, their uh, president of business operations, when she was talking to us about the uh, the media workroom, which was the last stop on our little guided tour. Uh, I, I I pulled her to the side and I was like, "You're gonna have like a podcast studio over there for me, right?" She's like, "Oh, of course, we got you, of course." So a um, <laughs> lot, lot of fun going on there, but. Um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to seeing it, you know, take play, uh, seeing it come to fruition. Uh, currently, they're on schedule, uh, which it was a 14 month build out process. They are about seven months through that. So I think the tentative completion date is July uh, 2024. So sometime this summer is is when it should all be completed. And uh, it'll be a ton of fun to see the finished product. And of course, whenever we're invited back to tour the finished product, uh, which I'm sure we will be, uh, I'll do another another video, you know, walking guided tour of what the new facility looks like, because uh, I'm sure it's going to be really, really cool to see once it's all all fully complete. But Ali Khan, any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, man, it, I, I, it's been a good start. The Rockets are on a 40 plus win pace. 
11 to 9. So if you just multiply by four, they're on a 41 pace. Um, let's see what happens over the course of the season, but you have to be pleased with what you've seen so far, Jackson. And um, let's see what happens next time. Absolutely, man. Well, you know the drill. Let everybody know where to track you down at. Follow me on Twitter, Rockets underscore Insider. Uh, make sure you're following us at Lockdown Rockets. That's going to do it for another edition of Locked on Rockets. As always, thank you so much for checking out the show. If you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. Just search Locked on Rockets. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. I want your thoughts on where the Rockets are at through the quarterway mark of this NBA season. Drop them in the YouTube comments. Give me your thoughts on the new practice facility and what you're most excited about and how awesome it is that the Rockets are going to have the most state-of-the-art practice facility in the entire NBA once this thing is fully built. Let me know your thoughts in the YouTube comments. I do read each and every one of those every single day. But as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.